As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome back to the Earth Keepers podcast. Somehow, October has flown by in the blink of an eye, and I haven't even pulled my Halloween decorations out of storage yet. I'll be doing that this week, though, because although I live in a rural neighborhood where I haven't seen a single trick-or-treater in the three years we've lived here, our little community in the woods has rallied together to plan something fun for the kiddos this year who would normally go door-to-door closer to town. A map of candy locations has been created, and people are getting creative so that the kids can still dress up and collect their treats. We'll be putting up lights and decorations on the trail down to the yellow portal on our property so families can wander through the enchanted woods while they trick-or-treat. I wonder if Bigfoot will show up. Either way, I couldn't let October escape without just a bit more haunted content here on the podcast. And truly, dealing with haunted houses is a minor part of my work. But if you live in a house that has some kind of energetic issue, whether it be an earthbound spirit, run amok, a problematic portal, or seemingly angry ancestors, it's more than just a minor inconvenience for you. So what happens when we move to a home or a piece of land and then realize it's got issues? Or worse, it seems like the spirits of the land, or maybe even something else, really don't want us there. What do you do when you begin to ask yourself, is my house haunted? As we've discussed before, there are many different energies present in the place that you live. And I see them like layers of energy that sit on top of each other. When I do readings, I have to peel back the layers one at a time to get a sense for what layer is related to what issue. To put this in shamanic terms, we humans live in the middle world. The upper world is the angelic realm. And it's also where you'll find spirits, including family members who have crossed over. In other words, that's where you can connect with your healed and healthy ancestors. In the lower world, you'll find earth and animal spirits or your animal totems. Both worlds are full of energies who are very supportive and loving, even if they're giving you a bit of tough love at times. The middle world, on the other hand, can be a little more confusing at times. It's the world we live in every day along with the spirit plane kind of sitting on top or intertwined with the physical world. Spirits who haven't properly transitioned are here, along with lots of plant and earth spirits, the keeper of the land, and any number of other entities and energies. And truly, I don't want you to be frightened about working in the middle world because there's no need to be. That's why I talk about it so much, so that you understand how it works and learn how to safely do this work. I have a very specific protocol for how I protect my energy and interact in the middle world, since that's where I do most of my spiritual work. I can typically detect whether 
something communicating with me is healthy or not. And if there is something not so nice going on, a spirit who is friendly and helpful can usually give me the details without my needing to interact directly with that energy. It's the very first module in the Earth Tenders Academy for that reason. So you get experience working in the middle world and know that you're safe to do so. What you don't want to do is just call out to whatever energy is present in an area and start chatting away. You need a framework for evaluating spirits and good energy hygiene when you work with the land. I know it's Halloween and all, but don't get carried away with the spooky stuff and forget yourself, okay? Okay, now on with this week's story. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine asked me to tag along with her to visit a few houses she was looking at to rent. Although she'd already seen them, she basically wanted me to check out the vibe of each place and let her know if anything was odd. Sometimes I think she's slightly suspicious of my spidey senses, but also trusts them enough to count on me to help her find a good place to live. Plus, I love looking at houses, so I'm always up for this kind of excursion. We head out to the first place, and it's literally lakefront property. I mean, I would never get anything done if I lived at this house because I would just sit and look out the window all day long. It's that stunning. But it was also the most affordable place she was looking at, and that seemed a little strange. So we make our way down the ridiculously narrow, rutted, steep driveway, and I'm already not feeling good about it. Never mind the spirits. Who the heck is going to want to plow this driveway all winter? And if it's icy, forget about it. We pull up to the house, hop out of the car, and I realize there is a huge waterfall right next to the driveway. As in, there is so much water naturally coming down from above this property that at some point, someone had turned it into a water feature. It looked beautiful, but from an energy standpoint, this is a whole bunch of water flowing right towards the house, under the driveway, and out to the lake. However, it didn't seem to be directed straight at the house itself, so I kind of put it out of my mind when we went inside. The inside of the house looked beautiful, but it didn't feel beautiful. And that's always a strange thing. You feel like you want to say, what a beautiful home, but you just can't. Something is off. By the time we got upstairs, I realized something was really wrong. I finally said, I feel like I have vertigo. Do you feel that? I stood still for a few minutes and couldn't identify exactly what it was, but I'm betting that it was related to all of that moving water. I felt loopy and woozy and really just wanted to get out of there. The feeling lasted for probably 10 more minutes after we left. It was really strong. My friend felt it too, but I'm not sure she would have trusted her own intuition. I mean... It was a beautiful, affordable lake house. But I'm going to guess that everyone feels it. That's why it's affordable. The owners were likely having a hard time renting it because people know that something doesn't feel right about it. And when energy like that makes you feel that physically weird in just 15 minutes, imagine how you'll feel every day if you live there. And trying to sleep there every night, that would be a nightmare. People ignore their intuition all the time, especially when it comes to beautiful homes or properties. And that fact was underscored to me the very next day. 
which just so happened to be election day. I went to vote at our precinct a few miles away from where we now live. It's actually not the correct precinct for us, but after three years of attempting to change our address with the county, and trust me, we have tried everything, they cannot seem to get it corrected. So we still vote at the little school around the corner from the house we rented when we first moved to Montana almost seven years ago. Since moving out of that house, I haven't had any need to be in the neighborhood, so I hadn't driven by our old rental house, but I had a little extra time after voting that day and decided to swing by and see how it looked. That was the house and the neighborhood I was in when I started learning so much about working with nature spirits and the spirits of the land and where I lived when I started my blog. I learned a lot while living there, but towards the end, it was clear that it was time to go and the spirits there were sending us on our way. While we were renting the house, it had been on the market for nearly a year with no takers. It was a large and lovely home on nearly an acre immediately across the road from a lake. But the trees were thick and tall. There was no lake view from the house and the entire house and property never received any sunshine. I struggled to keep any plants alive in that house and winters were pretty depressing and dark. I had to leave the house just to see the sun. Towards the end of that year, a woman came to see the house multiple times and seemed especially interested in purchasing it. On one of her visits, she told us she thought the property would be perfect for her horses. Horses? We were horrified. Plants didn't like to grow there. Horses would definitely not be a good idea. And we told her so. The back of that property was so shaded, her horses were likely going to stand up to their knees in snow all winter and mud in the spring and fall. This was not the place for horses, but she seemed undeterred. Our entire move out of that place was traumatic. Our rental company didn't give us proper notice of when we needed to leave, and then this new owner threatened to sue them if we didn't get out on her schedule. We finally managed to find a new rental right in the middle of the holidays, but couldn't get into it until the day she was scheduled to close on the house we were moving out of, so we had like 24 hours to move in a snowstorm. It was a complete disaster. So what did I see when driving by this house for the first time since we had moved out less than three years before? A for sale sign. Yep. And the funny thing is, is that a friend of ours who's a real estate agent just sent the listing to us a few weeks ago. She's still trying to sell it now, two more years later. And honestly, she could be selling it for any number of reasons, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that her horses are probably miserable. The listing even mentions the canopy of trees and how shady and cool it is in the summer months. Yeah, well, we only have two summer months here in Northwest Montana. During the other 10 months of the year, you'd really like to see some sunshine, so I can guess what the problem is. But in her case, she ignored it. And less than three short years later, she was hoping someone else would take her problem off her hands, which doesn't seem to be happening. What's funny, though, is that in our frenzy to find a place to live on a short schedule on a holiday week is that we ended up, knowingly, moving into a haunted house. Now, that place was straight up full of ghosts. There also seemed to be some kind of portal on the stairwell, too. But I knew it when I drove past it from the street. It looked a little spooky. And 
When we went to see it, I could feel the ghosts in the upstairs bedrooms. Ghosts to me feel like a buzzing energy in my stomach. But I had enough experience with energy at that point to know they weren't going to be a major problem and we needed a place to live immediately. So I didn't worry about it. As it turns out, it was mostly ghost children that lived up there. They played a lot of games with the cat who seemed entertained by them. And we didn't use that space much, so we just kind of minded our own business and we all stayed in our own zones. That's how it works sometimes. But the house was energetically noisy and often actually noisy. Things going bump in the night, footsteps up and down the stairs, that kind of thing. I didn't realize when that landlord called us eight months later to say that she wanted to move back into the house and we needed to move out, how energetically frayed my nerves were. Moving into a quiet house after that was a welcome break. Plus, my husband had fallen down the stairs to the basement three times in the last month we were there. Strange things were happening and it was time for us to go. However, as I cleaned out the last of the items upstairs and I was sweeping the floor to leave, one of the little children up there ran up to me and asked where I was going. Time for me to go, I said. And he was confused. I had given the spirits living there the opportunity to cross over in the months that we were there and they didn't seem interested. They weren't bothering me too much, so I didn't push, but my leaving seemed to change this one's mind. He was suddenly interested, so I, along with my guides, helped him out while I stood in the empty hallway, broom in hand. I'd like to think it was one good deed accomplished while living there. A little energetic house cleaning in a house they'd all been allowed to live in for so long, but I was happy to move on from that place. But I want to share these stories because I often hear from people who have a house or a property with some kind of an issue. Land where plants won't grow, or a home you tried to live in and couldn't for some reason. Unwelcoming energy or spirits who have chased people off. So if that's the case, what do you do? Well, first, when you're looking at homes and property, before you make a commitment, use your intuition. I promise that if you take a few minutes to be quiet in any home, you'll know if something feels strange about it. You know the saying, when you find the right house, you'll know it? Well, the opposite is true too. When you found the wrong house, you'll also know it. Don't ignore your intuition. I don't care if it's lakefront property with a dock you might not be able to fix it. It might not be your job to fix it. It might not want to be fixed. And then you're screwed. I mean, probably not. But it's going to be a real pain in your ass to resolve because the resolution might be that you've just got to move out. As is the case with all that water energy at that lake house, it's doing an important job. And it's already been tampered with to manage and direct it. You can't just decide that it's problematic for you and that you're going to fix it. It's part of a much larger spiritual landscape that will be affected by your actions. So let's go through some of the things that could be happening in your home or on your land and what you may or may not be able to do. And this is nowhere near a complete or exhaustive list. And in many cases, there's more than one thing happening, like ghosts and a portal in that house we were living in. But let's start with the ghosts, or more formally, earthbound spirits. 
In general, this is one of the simpler issues and one you're more likely to be able to resolve. A ghost, typically, is a person who died but for some reason or another has not crossed over into the light. Most of them are harmless and confused and don't realize that they've passed on. They're still in the same place as they were in life, doing the same activities. Why? Because our culture, by and large, doesn't have a process for dealing with the dead. We don't want to let them go. We don't understand how and why it's important for them to go. And we're not taught what we need to do when it's our time to go. In this context, if you've got a ghost or two or a hundred, it's compassionate work to help them transition. It's referred to as psychopomp, and I talked about it in more depth in episode three. I'll link it in the show notes. I also teach you how to cross over these spirits in the Earth Tenders Academy, if that's a skill that you'd like to learn. In addition to the kinds of ghosts who might be hanging around your house, If you have an unused space in your home, or shed, or garage, or basement, it is a likely place for them to gather. That's why people think dark basements are spooky. Yes, it's likely there's ghosts throwing a party down there, because nobody told them they weren't allowed to do it, and there aren't many people using the space on a regular basis. So, at the very least, you need to claim your home and the buildings on your property especially sheds and garages and barns. That's usually where I find ghost parties going down when I do readings. So open everything up, let some light in, try to clear out clutter if it's a mess and hasn't been cleaned up in years. Burn some cleansing herbs to energetically clear the space. Set boundaries and let anything hanging around know that they don't have to go home, but they can't stay here. This is your home now. Now, not every ghost is confused. Some believe they have a purpose, and they don't want you getting in the way. And they certainly aren't interested in crossing over. It will likely take someone who specializes in this work some time to work with a spirit like this. I shared in last week's episode about how my encounter with the founder of a town I used to live in, and he was mad about some things that had worked out in his life. And he was not going to let go of that town or his anger easily. I pushed the issue with him because his behavior was detrimentally affecting an entire community of people. But it took me about a month off and on to convince him. And I had two different people help me out just to make sure I was clearly understanding what was going on and that I had permission to intervene in the first place. So if you're not sure what you're dealing with, start with boundaries and burning your favorite herbs for space clearing and See if that fixes your problem. You may need to do it a few times and then keep it up on a semi-regular basis, but get some help if you need it. Now, on to the spirits present on the land. This is where I spend most of my time and have written plenty of posts about my experiences on my blog. However, if you're having an issue of some kind with the land itself, it can be any number of things, but I don't typically find these spirits to be problematic. They're either working with you or they're ignoring you, but usually not against you. Where I tend to find issues is with residual trauma on the land, especially if there were native people separated from the land in that area. There is no one-size-fits-all resolution to trauma. When I come across it in a reading, 
I typically ask my guides if it's something I have permission to do healing work with, and if so, how am I to do it? Because there's typically a mixture of healed and healthy ancestors and earthbound spirits, all mixed together in a place where there was trauma. So you kind of have to sort out who's who and what their intentions are. One time in a property reading, I found an entire tribe of people who had energetically separated themselves from the land hundreds of years ago. There were two very distinct but simultaneous timelines happening on this piece of land. And the current day people could sense there was an issue and kept picking up that there was an angry native spirit present. But when I spoke to the chief, he wasn't angry. He just didn't want his people to be harmed. And so they were in a different dimension, still going about their lives. But in the meanwhile, an entire subdivision had been built in that same place. So yeah, it felt weird there. The chief actually wanted to reintegrate everything. And there was some healing work that needed to be done. But he and his people wanted to do the work. They wanted me to hold space and bear witness. So I did. And it was a beautiful ceremony to see. But it wasn't my job to fix anything, which is why it's so important to ask questions before doing any spiritual work on the land or assuming that there is just an angry spirit that needs to be removed. And finally, there are the actual energies of the earth. Grid lines, water lines, portals, vortexes, and the like. These are the most difficult to make adjustments to because they are doing important work for the earth and all of us living on it. I have, with permission, moved a portal that was acting like a drain underneath an office I used to work in at least five times, but it didn't really want to be anywhere else. It will tell me I can move it, and then it moves back. I finally had to stop physically working there because I couldn't deal with that draining energy all day, every day. Plus, it's hard to find a nearby location to move something like that where it won't have some other kind of detrimental effect. One time I did a reading and there was a house on top of a vortex and I asked the keeper of the land what we could do about it. The keeper said, move the house, and then laughed. Very funny. It knew the house couldn't be moved, but it was also making a point. Humans don't like how it feels to live in a vortex. Don't put a house on top of a vortex then. Yeah, got it. Thanks. But this is why it's so important to use your intuition when a house or property hunting. Other people before us have made some big mistakes when selecting house locations, and we don't want to inherit that problem. There are plenty of things that real estate agents have to disclose when listing a house, but the fact that people feel dizzy in that one back bedroom isn't one of them. And that's a good sign that there may be something going on underneath the house. A vortex on a piece of property? Fine. Let it do its job and leave it alone. A house on top of a vortex? Things just got a lot more challenging. Water is also super tricky like that. It needs to be allowed to flow properly. And if that includes into your basement, you're not going to like it. And your remedies to keep your basement dry aren't going to make the water spirits happy. So you'll need to work with them to find a compromise that will work for all of you. Now, portals, on the other hand, are a whole different ball of wax. 
There are portals that are important energy pathways being used and tended by high-frequency beings, and you won't typically find those inside of a house. They're usually out on the land somewhere and usually a bit more remote. They need a bit more energetic space to function in. However, there are many ways an energetic portal can be opened somewhat accidentally, and those are the ones that people typically find in their house, and they're the portals usually letting in low-vibe energies. I'm going to dedicate an entire episode to portals in the coming weeks because this is the one thing I feel more questions about than anything else. But just know that if you're dealing with one of these lower-vibe portals in your house, the likelihood is high that it can be completely closed to cut off that flow of energy into your home. You're just going to want to speak to the keeper of the land about your options. Just know that the earth energies have a way of resolving their own issues. So again, you're going to want to consult the energies present in a given location to work together on a resolution. Or you can ask me to ask them. That's why I offer property readings. But even in the case of the house on top of the vortex, after joking that the house should be moved, the spirits ultimately suggested some work that could be done by the homeowners to mitigate the issues they were having. Sometimes it's just as simple as asking the energy if it's possible to still accomplish its work by shifting slightly to another location. And sometimes when you ask, it'll say, sure, no problem. Thanks for asking. On occasion, you'll find that it just wants to be honored or recognized or appreciated for its work, and then it will work with you. It's not all impossible, but this is why we need to remember that we are not the only ones on the land, and we need to treat the energies present with reverence and not seek to impose our will, thinking that it won't have any consequences. If you do feel like you're being significantly and negatively affected in a home or on the land, like repeated illnesses or injuries, please, I suggest you get yourself out of the home and reach out for assistance. Depending on what exactly is happening, I may be able to offer energetic work and or refer you to another healer that can help your specific situation. For instance, if your issue is related to an attachment spirit or some kind of ancestral karma, my working with the spirits of the land won't resolve the issue. But there are many healers that specialize in that work, and between us, we can help you identify the root of the problem. And remember, this is an ongoing education for me, too. The more of this work I do, the more I learn and understand. And what I have learned is the importance of understanding that we are a part of the natural world and not separate from it. We're not living on the land, but rather with the land. Once we can grasp that, it's easier to see how some of these issues have come to be and how we can resolve them in partnership with the spirits who share the space with us. Okay, that's all I have for you this week. If you're really wanting to dive into this work yourself, I would love to have you join me in the Earth Tenders Academy, my nine-module online course where I walk you step-by-step step from learning how to work with the spirits in the middle world through the specifics of working with Earth energies like portals and stargates, all the way through doing property reading and healing work yourself. Every month, we gather live on Zoom to do a property reading together. That means I walk you through the reading from beginning to end. And then everyone on the call shares their experiences. This is how you learn to deeply trust your intuition, get feedback on the weird or wacky encounters you might have, and 
feel the loving support of working together with the spirits of the land to lift the vibration of the earth, one piece of land at a time. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more. And until next week, enjoy the rest of this week while the veils are especially thin. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.